the OSS Cubed gets underway on Sunday, August 13th, and it's bringing to the table a whopping $6.7 million in guarantees over four weeks. It all starts with Moss beginning August 13th, with prize pools hitting the $250,000 guaranteed mark. Then, on August 23rd, our full-sized online Super Series drops, with guarantees as high as $1 million. Then stack your chips in the bigger online Super Series beginning September 6th. It all adds up to 141 online poker events with something for everyone. It's waiting for you at America's Card Room. Okay, welcome to Ask Alex, episode 143 on the OneHour.com podcast, sponsored by AmericasCardroom.com. If you want 27% rate back from AmericasCardroom.com, simply sign up for your account by clicking on one of the ads or banners on the OneHour.com website. Follow us on Twitter at OneHour.com and join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash OneHour. This episode and all other previous episodes are on OneHour.com website and also via iTunes for free. If you want to send questions in for Alex on a future show, then please email questions at OneHour.com or you can tweet them or post them in the Facebook group. Alex, how are you today? I'm good. Thank you for having me. How are you today, Barry? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And uh, I read your blog. Actually, was it today or was it? All? No, I think it was today. Um, you you said I blogged. That was just what it was. And I I read it. It's funny that when you read stuff, you know, in your bed, maybe when on your phone or on a couch or whatever. You forget what even day you've read it. We must take in so much information now. You know, <laughs> it's just like yeah. you know, you're like I read that somewhere or whenever. But anyway, yeah, I read your blog and I, I enjoyed it. And I read your other one the other day on sort of time management stuff and how to make the best of your time, etc. So uh, just another little plug for your newsletter there. I still I still read your blogs um, every time I get an email and stuff. So. It's getting it's getting into my information stream. Um, uh, I appreciate that, man. Thank you for continuing to read. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. It's, well, that's how that's how I first came across you. I think well, card no bluff bluff magazine, and then there was like a little link to your blog way back in 2010, I think it was. Oh um, yeah, yeah. That's it. So we were going to last week. There was no ask Alex. Um, I was away with my fiance going to two weddings in the space of four days. Um, so that was hectic, and we just couldn't get a, a, a sort of slot to do it. So we put out the Devilfish interview that I did about, I think it was about five years ago or something, um, 2012, I think, maybe 2013. Uh, he's been dead two years now, so it was obviously before that. <laughs> uh. And, uh, yeah, we put that out. But I was going to put out the first interview I did with Alex, but we'll do that next time that there's not an Ask Alex episode one week. We'll put out the original. Because there was an original one we did, and then there was like another one we had you back on, and then then it started after that. It was like the Ask Alex show once I'd finished it. Yeah, we, we, we don't need to go back. It's <laughs> like, no, no, I I'm, think they're fun. I think they'll be good. I think, yeah. I'm always very embarrassed by myself when I was younger. It's amazing how much you develop over the years just even yeah. simple things of cadence diction vocabulary uh these kinds of things just were not my forte a yeah. number of years ago and i i i'm always amazed by who paid me for lessons to listen to this guy it's me so, i did <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> I'm, uh, i must have had some good information like yeah. it, it was pretty tough to get get it delivered at that time but yeah it's uh it, it's interesting when you go back right sometimes um and yeah, it's always interesting but yeah i get what you're saying about the embarrassment i mean i'm hardly on facebook but when i do go on and use it to post the um in the one outer group and stuff and when there's a new show up or anything like that and I go in it, and I, I check it maybe every couple of days, and you know the Facebook memory stuff that comes up on this day, so many years ago, and except the, so many months ago, and all that. You get a little list of things that you've said or posted, and I looked at some of them recently from like twenty, like ten, two thousand nine, 
and like you see some of this stuff um you know i'm like ah oh, i remember that that was funny and whatever and then some of the other posts i'm like fuck like i just don't think like that anymore like just you know it's weird um it, it's oh yeah you're always yeah. changing and evolving and it's like i suppose you're the same you stay the same in certain things but yeah, just even views changing in the space of five, six years on certain aspects or, you know, complete 360 uh, sometimes. Uh, 180, I should say. 360 is back to where you started. So that's a mistake. Good, good man. I was about to make fun of you relentlessly. Yeah. <laughs> well, but... no, I got in there first, yeah. <laughs> well, the when I look back on those memory... When I, when I look back at those memory apps, I... This is a really strange thing that's been happening lately is I'm filled with this overwhelming sense of loss because I've been so many places, I've had so many experiences, and those people aren't really in my life anymore. Yeah. And in many occasions, that's my fault. Uh, the I had many friends in South Korea. Uh, I was dating a wonderful girl there. I probably should have kept it just as friends i didn't uh she rightfully doesn't talk to me anymore uh had an entire family in costa rica don't we don't get to speak as much anymore mm -hmm. uh there's had quite a few friends in europe uh all over europe had memories in paris and malta and all that and yeah there's a part of me that goes oh it's amazing you got to have all of that uh but there's another part of me that goes, what? Because for so many years, there was, it was just, oh, we're goofing off playing poker. It, it, it felt like, <laughs> it, it, you know, one day, just my friends and I just never want to go to school. So it, it, we're, we're just goofing off and wherever. Uh, what We used to go get down to Chinatown and play pool and hang out there. And we would get drunk and we would play volleyball on the on this one really weird municipal beach uh we had a lot of fun and then poker just folded into that because i used to go to this uh well, i used to go to this uh bowling alley all the time and they had cards and i just started playing cards there and it was all fun and games and it kept seeming like fun and games and then even even when I got married, it was, oh, whatever, I'm super young, let's see what happens, right? <laughs> and uh, I like this girl a lot, you know, I love this girl a lot. And uh, it, and just one day, I think it's because I'm about to turn 30, mm -hmm. and I keep looking around going, what the hell happened? How am I this old, right? <laughs> How did this happen? Yeah. And, uh, but at the same time, as you get older, there's certain things you appreciate much more. Then when you were younger, uh, one, I, I'm sure you read this in the newest blog, there's a tree out, out in the front of my yard here in Bullhead City, and I really want to know what this tree is. I want to know what type it is. I kind of like looking at it. And when I was younger, I couldn't be bothered with looking at a tree, right? Yeah. And it's just, and it's a, it, it's interesting though, yeah, when you go back on the app and you see, like my political views were so much more hardline. Uh, of, it, it, they were really liberal nine years ago, and then about five years ago, they were super, super conservative. Now, my views are just leave me the F alone and do whatever you yeah. want yeah. with your life. Just don't, don't tell me how to live my life, and uh, you do what you want in your city. I'll do what I want in my city, uh, and that's okay. But yeah, it it is very interesting looking back. It, it's and I'm not filled, by the way, with that sense of loss anymore. It's just, it, it, did you have that when you turned 30, Barry? Like, what the hell happened? No, I, 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 no, I mean, I remember turning 30 and just really nothing. Um, yeah. Just a psychotic emptiness. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> no, it, was, it was just like a real non-event. You know, it was like, yeah, 30, whatever, you know. But I would say as I got into my... Th I mean, I'm 34 next month. And as I got into... Thir I'd say 32 maybe. Something like that. I think it's like... 
after you get used to a few years of saying, oh, um, oh I'm not 20-something, like 29 or 20. I'm, I'm 30, it's 30-something now, you know? I think mm-hmm. it takes a couple of years for it to properly sink in uh, until mm. you have the real existential uh, crisis. Like, you know, <laughs> you're just... Uh, <laughs> You're just toying with it just now. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, that's what I remember joking with a friend like that. He went, Barry, but like, that's nothing what you're thinking about now and saying, wait till the real shit hits the fan. You know, it's like... <laughs> oh, good. And, and it's kind of true. It's like, I just... I wouldn't say like loss. I would just say there's certain people that aren't in my life anymore that 10 years ago or even 8 years ago they were, and we were out all the time, and, you know, socialising and whatever, and they, their lives went one way, and my lives went another way, and there was no disagreement, or fallout, or anything like that, it's just you drift apart, and, um, exactly. that kind of, in the end, you have new friends and stuff, and then you've got, but I still have a core friends, a few of them, I've known, literally, like, 28 years, 29 years, you know, nursery school, primary school, high school, we were at the same together, and we still speak, and keep in contact on, on a weekly basis uh, with some of them. Um, that's so, cool. so that's cool, yeah. And we've never had any major fallouts at all. Um, you know, and it's, it's great. And So that's good. But yeah, there's people from a few years ago who I've only been friends with maybe 10 years, and they're amongst my closest friends now, and they don't even stay close by. You know, I, I maybe catch uh, up with them every couple of weeks, like phone call, we'll speak. And then we'll see each other maybe two, three times a year, uh, max. But they're they're good friends. So I think as you get older, your friends change. It goes from like you're not hanging about on a daily, weekly basis. You know, as you oh, yeah. as you become more of an adult and whatever that looks like, whether you're single in a relationship or not, um, you, you're kind of in your own space a bit more. And you're like people have got different schedules, and especially for people that work from home like myself and you or you know or even like the professional poker players you don't have this like we're doing it like they're working standard hours so maybe it's harder to get spend time with people and stuff and i think it just people just go their own ways and the people you're meant to still speak to you'll still speak to them always and the people you're not it's like yeah it's not like i'm cutting them out my life it's just you know life moves on it happens exactly yeah, yeah I, I don't feel any guilt about these people not being in my life anymore, uh, pretty much ever. It's just one of those things. There's there's very few people. Uh, my, my first priorities in life are my mother, my sister, and now my girlfriend. Uh, those, uh, how supportive my girlfriend's been mm-hmm. over the last six months has is nothing short of breathtaking. So it, it, there's these core people in my life. And then as far as good friends, there's Carlos is one of my best friends, but he's, I think one of the reasons Carlos is one of my best friends is, okay, I'm about to go to the East coast. He's going to stay on the West coast. We could not talk for nine months and meet up at a poker tournament stop, and it would just be the exact same when yeah. we talk. And I think that's what you're alluding to. Yeah, here, I've which got lots of friends like that, and that that's great. You know, it's yeah, and it's a uh, well, and I also know if I ever needed help with anything, I could call him, and he could call me. And there's, I I'm lucky enough to have a a number of friends like that. It, it is difficult with poker because you're never in the same area. I, I guess what really trips me up is there was a time poker, we thought poker was going to be a new sport. It, it was... You, you, Doyle Brunson couldn't walk on the streets of Dublin because he was so recognizable. Uh, there were new superstars. And when I was first coming up in poker, that was very much real a reality. This just struck me. This just struck me the other day, which was I'm very happy here in Laughlin. I'm I need to move out of here because I can tell I'm stagnating, and that's never been part of my mo. I I, I hate stagnating. I get really really grumpy yeah. when I'm stagnating, and. Uh, I was probably pretty unbearable in my marriage because I knew I was stagnating and, uh, you know, to my ex-wife's credit. And uh, 
uh, j- just my own personal development. That was my fault. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. there's, uh, but there was a time. Uh, I, I'm very happy in Laughlin, and I was in this little movie theater here, and it's hilarious because the first, the the first thing they tell you is watch all your valuables, be careful. The second thing they tell you is, uh, if we catch you recording this with your smartphone, you're out of here. And I was thinking, hey, you know, this place is on the up and up. Yeah, this, <laughs> this, is, uh, this is pretty nice, right? And uh, it just kind of hit me like a wave because there was a time, remember Gus Hansen, what a big personality he was in poker and how they yeah. used to talk yeah. about he used to talk about everything with him. Oh, how he likes pinball and where he grew up and... There was a time they were, uh, you know, poker players were more celebrities, and they were putting me in lists that I didn't deserve to be on, quite frankly. But it, ten guys to watch in their first WSOP. Oh, if we can drag Alex off of the beaches of Malta, uh, check out how good he's going to be. And, uh, yeah, I did have my condo on the Mediterranean and all that goofy stuff. Uh, and... Which was pretty nice. Uh, goofy stuff isn't what I should say, but it, it, the fact my goofy ass got it makes it pretty hilarious. But uh, I, I, I started thinking I was a lot better than what I was, and then I, I really crumbled in poker as uh, I just didn't manage myself very well. And I was thinking, where... It, it, I was in that movie theater and very happy, but I was thinking, is this where you thought you would be at 29, Alex, in a movie theater in Laughlin, divorced, watching a movie? Yeah. I was like, uh, no, no, didn't see this one coming. This was, uh, this was pretty bizarre. But at the same time, I'm happier now than I've ever been. I'm actually playing a lot more poker as a quote-unquote retired poker player because there's just no pressure now and it's all, Oh, this will be, this will help me look into this and this will help me look into that. And that was, fortunately I just missed the 25 K final table, uh, the other week, but I can't remember when it was cause we haven't talked for two weeks, but yeah, it's a, I'm very happy now. It's, it's just interesting how things change when you look back, like what, what was I thinking? What was the other thing was I couldn't believe how fat I got Barry and I had no, it's one of those things you don't think you're fat because you're like, ah, oh, I put on a little weight, whatever. And then you look back after you drop it and you're, oh my God, what in the world? Yeah. Was yeah. Oh my Lord, this is, ugh. But yeah, uh, and I do not put it on well, by the way. I, it just all goes to my face, like 22 chins on top of each other. But yeah, anyways, I guess we should get into the questions, huh? Yeah, yeah, I just think it's, it's that old quote, life's what happens when you're making other plans or whatever, I think it was John yeah. Lennon or something, it's so true, it's like you never, who knows 10 years from now as well, you know. It's yeah, like, yeah, and who knows, who knows, I hate how John Lennon was a total douche, but he had some amazing quotes, but yeah, yeah I, sorry, <laughs> sorry, I know you're, Oh wait, no, you're not British. You'll, you'll, you're fine with me making fun of him. Yeah, okay, I'm, not, I'm not a huge Beatles fan or anything. I think they're, you know, I don't get me down on that that road. <laughs> it's like I'm yeah. one of those people that, I'll, you know, that people that says they're overrated. And people say, how can you be that? It's like I just can't. I'm like, yeah, some good stuff, but really, like as much as people, I, I really don't like Paul McCartney either. So it's, yeah, I've never been really onto the Beatles. You know. Well, I imagine it's like. Growing up in the United Kingdom, I imagine it's like growing up in Seattle, I had to hear Nirvana's Smell Like Teen Spirit no less than 10,000 times. Mm-hmm. I I got to the point, if you turned on that song around me, I would cuss you out. I don't want to hear that effing song. Don't turn that effing song on. Because they were so proud he was from Seattle yeah. that they, they, they just played him nonstop, even after his death. And... I mean, we we were talking 11 years after that song came out. It was still in regular rotation at the only really good alternative radio station in Seattle, uh, 107 The End. And I just got to the point I never wanted to hear about Nirvana ever. And there was a lot of grunge bands that were really... I never thought Alice in Chains got their due. due uh, I think it was Meat Puppets that I really dug. And 
there was a few others, but and uh, it, is it like that with you? Just you get so sick of hearing it because yeah, of where you're maybe, from. Maybe and also every anniversary, you know, like oh, documentaries God, yeah. on three-hour <laughs> specials and Beatles week. And as I say, I just hate Paul McCartney. Like every fiber of him. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm not a huge Beatles fan. All right, uh, I'm more uh, Bowie. I like David Bowie, so... Um, yeah, Bowie's the man. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's get into the questions. Uh, right, okay, this one is anonymous. From a, There's actually two anonymous, but we might not get to the other one this uh, week because there's another question that came in that seems quite cool. Anyway, first question of this week is from anonymous. Hi, I'm looking for some pointers on post-flop play. I come from a sit-and-go background and find myself out of my depth when playing post-flop 30 to 50 big blinds deep. What are some basics I could do or look at or some resources you could point me to? Thanks. Well, it's a good thing you made yourself anonymous. This is quite a polemic uh, entry we have here. (laughs) I've been getting quite a few anonymous emails recently, and this was not the content of them, I'll say that. (laughs) <laughs> there's a there's a lot of people, Barry, that took me retiring very personally, and that was really strange. Just just cussing me out, like, oh, how dare you? You're not going to play poker anymore. I didn't say I wasn't going to play poker anymore. I just said my first priority was going to be my students from now on. But yeah, anyhow, uh, some pointers for post flop. I actually I'm working on this little document right now that I'm call, calling How to Think Like a Poker Player, because I I got done with the videos for Master the Flop. They really are not the best-looking videos because I'm not a graphic designer. I'm a strategist. But I'm pretty sure if you watch all the Master the Flop videos, you're going to have a really good feeling uh, of how to play flops a lot more. And the cool thing, Barry, now is you can just add on to your products as you feel like it. So I was thinking I could do some free videos on YouTube once in a while just to keep adding on and then leading into the Master the Flop stuff. But yeah, if you want to... I'm about to put the Master the Flop videos on sale. Uh, If you guys... If anybody listening to this wants to get a hold of them, just write me. Uh, they're going to be on sale. Well, I, hell, I could just announce this right now. They're going to be on sale to the. I, they're slated. This is slated to run on the weekend, but the Master of the Flop videos are going to be on sale till the end of the month. Uh, it's uh, one forty nine ninety nine right now. Uh, it's a thirteen part series, and it's going to be four hundred dollars after that. It's well worth eight hundred dollars. So uh, I have no problem selling it for four hundred, but. Yeah, just a bit of an early bird special. You get it for 150 And with our new payment processor, it's uh, it's all handled by Gumroad.com, a San Francisco company that's been around for a long time. So there's no waiting. There's no PayPaling me and then waiting for me to send the files, nothing. You just you, you register, uh, you register, and that's it. Actually, Barry, Barry, you're going to earn your uh, soup today. I'm going to send you the link to this, and I'm going to send you the flyer, and you're going to put it in the liner notes. Okay, Barry? Okay. Okay, but yeah, we have a real payment processor now. I tested it out with some, like, $10 docs and stuff like that, and yeah, it's working really it's working really well. It's really cool, and yeah, you just you use it, and then you, yeah, you get your files immediately, and you can download them, and they're yours. Uh, but that 13-part series was pretty helpful. But I got I did one video at the end that was really fun. I had to cut it off at an hour because, in the words of Steve Jobs, real artists ship, and you gotta you gotta get it going. And uh, I was thinking I really want to keep on this uh, topic though because this is really fun. And what I'm calling my new thing is how to think like a poker player because I notice when I teach, there's eight questions I ask myself uh, during every bet the person does or non-bet or something. And I always ask these of these people. And what's more surprising, Barry, is how often people can answer these questions truthfully, but they just don't know to ask themselves these questions. So I'll give you an example. Uh, One thing that always really helped me, which was an Andrew Brokos thing, 
is uh, another great poker coach uh, that I respect. Uh, always try to think of one other move. So if your automatic play is to full, try to think of one other possible move you could do. And then even if it's just four seconds of, okay, could I raise here ever? And then if the answer is just blindingly no, okay, there, there you go. But you're going to find a lot of moves you didn't even think of because you're so stuck in your autopilot when you do this. So always think of one other move. Always lean towards betting. Uh, betting obviously has quite a few benefits. Uh, betting, you could have the best hand and you could be making more money. You could have the worst hand and you could get the other guy to fold. You could have the worst hand, but you slow him down sufficiently so that another card helps you. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, uh, so in every time you're betting, always ask yourself, this is the sentence I always fill out in my mind, and I can always find the error. If I, and this is what I do when I'm coaching. I am betting X amount to win Y as a value better a bluff because I think these hands call or fold. These hands make up this percentage of his range. If you do that, if you state that to yourself every single time, you will see where the BS is, right? Usually, sometimes you'll go, well, that bet amount is never going to fold out that hand. That's terrific. You just saved yourself a bluff bet that was pointless. Uh, Or you'll say, wait a minute, I could get a lot more from those hands. Perfect, you're getting more value. Uh, And this is all in Master the Flop, by the way, but... uh, it, this is. I'm going to make a more devoted webinar on this too, which I think should be really fun. Uh, the, the, but a lot of times the bet amounts are a little off. You can you can tell from that. Uh, the other thing that's um, that's amazing is if you look. Okay, look one move ahead is another thing. And uh, say okay, if he does this, what am I going to do? And usually. Chess masters have to think 36, 40 moves ahead. We usually, I think the most moves ahead I've ever gotten is eight or something along those lines. And that was, if you guys ever play with me and you see me time banking at the beginning of a hand, that's because I'm plotting out the flop turn and river. Later on, I'm actually just counting to a random eight count or something, but I've usually planned out the hand. Uh, But you, you ask yourself, okay, if he does this, what am I going to do? If he does this, what am I going to do? But do not fixate on that. Ask yourself, what percentage of the time that happens? So there's a lot of times, one question I have all my students asking themselves is, when it gets checked to you on the river, ask yourself, if I bet, what do I get value from? If you have a value hand, right? And the second question they always ask is, what do I do if he check raises? Now, this is not a quality thought. I'm really into this recently in that we trust everything that our brain spits out at us as just gospel because it comes from our brain. And if it comes from our brain, that's not true. Then it's true. But there's many of us that have had very silly thoughts. The mind is a reflexive muscle and it will do as it feels on occasion. So one of the things you really have to get past when you play poker. There's a wonderful book called Stumbling on Happiness. I really recommend you read the book and do not listen to the audio book because I could not stand listening to the actual professor read it out. He sounded so taken with himself the entire time. But uh, unfortunately, the guy is really intelligent, so you do have to listen to him. Uh, And one of the things he talked about is the only people... We do this thing in poker where they say, oh, you need to think positive. You have to think positive. You guys have heard me made this joke before. You ever see a guy get 20 in blackjack and say, hit me? That guy's a really positive thinker. (laughs) Uh, The people who are really good at gambling, according to this gentleman, are people who are clinically depressed. They see the negative in everything. Uh, They're just not into gambling. And uh, what that means is, you're not really good at looking for value if you're a good poker player. You're really good at out- avoiding unnecessary risk. And that will take you pretty far in the game, but it's not going to take you the furthest. It's not, it's not, you need to look at getting value. But 
since you're risk averse, your first thought is going to be, what do I do if he check raises me on the river? My question is, what percentage of the time does that actually happen? Uh, now, you're going to find out, if you think about it, most guys go, well, I, I guess he check raises me like 5% of the time. Okay, so the other 95% of the time he calls you or folds, yeah, is that bad? No. Okay, there you go. And these are some really quality thoughts to have. Uh, another, this goes for everything in life, by the way. I remember when the Zika virus was becoming a big thing, and my friend's wife was really freaking out about it. And you know, and I'm not going to say her name, but I, I, I said, okay, uh, Jan or whatever, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, how many people in the United States have died from the Zika virus? And she went, oh, I think one, two. And I said, how many people are there in the United States of America? 340 million. I think you're going to be okay. Uh, one out of 340 million is not that high. Yet, at the, These are the same people that you'll see on the side of the road, uh, on the freeway, arguing about a fender bender and gesticulating wildly. Meanwhile, these hulking masses of metal are flying by at 70 miles an hour, inches away from them. I always want to scream at these people, statistically, this is how you will die. This is it. This is it right here. Get back in your car. Uh, let, let's just, you know, we'll call it a push on the 150 bucks. exchange insurance information, and go about your day. That, the, the inability to estimate... Uh, to estimate odds really blows my mind. But anyhow, as far as, as, far as uh, that, it's been a while since I went on a good old-fashioned rant, Barry, but we had to do it. It had been a while. It all ties now, in. It all ties in. It all ties in. It all ties in. But with post-flop stuff, I find if you say those sentences to yourself, it's a really big deal. Another thing is when you're calling. So we talked about why you should be betting. Now, when you call, um, I actually have a bunch of different things you should be thinking of in this point. But a really good shortcut is when you're calling uh, for value, uh, you, uh, you're not floating or trying anything else. Uh, always ask yourself, do I beat X? And X is the, the best hand that you beat. And if you don't, are is he betting, excuse me, I said this wrong. Is he betting X, the best hand that you beat? And if the answer is no, then you can't call. So a really good example of this is, let's say the board comes queen of clubs, seven of clubs, four of clubs. You C-bet with ace-queen, and the guy to the left of you jams, uh, like 2X the pot. The question for yourself is, does he do this with king-queen? Does he do this with the ace of clubs? If the answer is no to either of those, you fold. That's that, right? It, but what most people will do is they'll fixate on the value of their hand. Oh, my God, I got top pair. Can I really fold top pair? That's not a quality thought because it's not, it, it doesn't help you clarify anything. Mm. It's, just, it, it's just an emotional response. And you're tr many of you trust your autopilot way too much because what happens is you're decent at poker. You're not the total fish you you don't show up at the table and limp call 12x you know a few things you've read a couple poker books and eventually you'll start understanding how poker works uh this is and then you, you feel like you got a better mastery of the game than you do because on autopilot you look like a poker player you sound like a poker player you do some poker player things you assume you got it. You don't learn how to ride a bike and then keep learning how to ride a bike. You just get the basics up and running. The problem is learning how to cut that BMX bike on a track up in the mountains is a much different thing. And all the money in poker is not in the 99.9th .9 percentile. All the money, all of it is in the 99.99th .99 percentile. You've got to work up to that. Uh, and before you get discouraged, you're probably well into the 99th percentile right now if you're listening to this show. Uh, good luck to you guys. Okay. And uh, next question is from Jeremy. 
My question is about volume. I now just play semi-professional. I'm a winning player, but I can only dedicate around 12 to 15 hours now playing each week and sometimes the Sundays if I can. What's the best way for me to make use of this time with poker? What games would you recommend and how to proceed, etc.? Well, I'd recommend you go right over to the America's Cardroom blog and read a... Uh, read an article I wrote about time management because there's a good chance you could find a few more hours if you read that. I, I was pretty proud of that article. And also, I think that when you, when you only have 12 to 15 hours a week, you have to understand you're not going to compete with the other pro professionals in a traditional sense. You're not going to, you're not going to outgrind them they're going to have the 50 to 60 hours and they're going to be a little bit more proficient at playing multiple tables because that's going to be their bread and butter. What you need to beat them on is the details, the acuity, the uh, how well you focus. The way you're going to do that is you're going to play less tables and quite frankly, if you want to get good, uh, th this goes back to if you want to get good, it's going to hurt. Uh, the way I got better is I demanded more from my sessions. I recorded them, and uh, <laughs> I used to take quite a few notes, and eventually that just became wholly unrealistic. So what I did is I would record my screen, and I would wear a headset, and I would take notes the entire time I was doing it, and eventually this led me to doing the Twitch broadcast and stuff like that until I realized playing for an audience is far different than recording for myself. And I would just take short verbal notes on occasion. I'm betting just filling out those sentences I just said that, that were from Master the Flop. I'm betting X to win Y. I'm doing it as a value bet or a bluff. I'm doing it because that is this percentage of this guy's range. Just seeing where I was finding the mistakes, it wasn't the hours I put in, it's what I put in the hours. One second, guys. <coughs> Sorry about that. Uh, it, and the more I put in the hours, the, I put in many mindless hours as a standard grinder when I was younger. I didn't learn a whole lot about it. I made some money, especially when I was a cash game rag, but... I didn't really learn a whole lot. I was just, I was a nut peddler. Uh, I was a massively multi-tabler. I, di I didn't come away knowing much of anything. And then uh, what ended up happening was I needed to actually bring it down to a few tables to find where my mistakes were, where my leaks were hiding. And that's when my development really began. I think what you need to be doing is you're going to accept you're not going to outgrind these guys, but I assume you have a traditional job, and that does give you some tools that these guys don't have. One, when they're deep in a big tournament, they're playing with a gun to their head because they have a backer or they have a girlfriend that they've told, baby, you got to trust me, I'm going to become a professional poker player. They've got parents that are really angry at them for dropping out of the college that they paid for, and they have to to prove they're a professional poker player. They have to prove it to themselves. They have to prove it to everybody who doubted them. And that means they're not going to be playing their normal game, quite frankly. I've been in that position. I can tell you, you do not play the way you should play. And it makes some guys rise above. It makes the vast majority of people, myself included, uh, clam up quite a bit. Now, it eventually they can play through that and once they stop caring what others think or they do find a little success they can draw upon that experiential learning and hopefully become better players but what advantage you're going to have on the vast majority of them is you have a job you have hopefully a family life that provides you quite a bit of contentment you're you're uh you're when you're deep in a tournament you should just realize this is fun and I'm going to be here again because I have another revenue source outside of poker. And you want to make sure you're prepared for those bigger tournaments. You want to make sure you play more bigger tournaments. You want to make sure you play live more often. Uh, many of the people that massively multi-table get very 
very impatient. So you're going to have, uh, because it's a bit of a break from work for you, for you you're going to be much more patient than they are. Uh, you want to make sure that you're upping your game. You're using all of the time, the 12 to 15 hours a week as practice. Very, very deliberate practice. And the good news is 99 Literally 99% of poker players do not... I'm not just reusing that number because that's the number of the day uh, on Sesame Street. Uh, 99% of players do not put in deliberate practice. They mindlessly grind. So start with one concept, focus on it, bring it to the table, get more out of your sessions, take quite a few notes, focus more, don't have the game on, don't... don't I love music too, but I, I not not as big on listening to it when I'm playing. Uh, good luck to you. Hope this helps. Okay, and let's see. I'm going to give you a choice, Alex. Last question of the day: Do you want one about Vegas or do you want one about blockers? Vegas, please. Okay. <laughs> uh, we'll keep that one for the next week's show. Sorry, Richard. We will read that out. This one is anonymous again, but different anonymous. Um, I'm heading out to Vegas next year. I'm going to be there for three to four weeks. I'm taking 5K US and looking to come back with more and pay all my hotels and food. Any advice for best games, places to stay, and how I can achieve my goals? Thanks. Okay. Well, let's see. You got a van like Carlos Welch and live in said van. That'll <laughs> handle the... Well, this is a different this is a different question than I thought. Uh well, okay, first off, let's see. It's funny, we talk about Vegas a lot, Barry, but every time it comes up we it, it changes. Yeah. It cha- it changes. Okay, first off, if you want to uh pay next to nothing, you gotta Airbnb it. Uh go go to Airbnb dot com. They're the old, otherwise you're going to be paying these resort fees because uh, it's really important that you pay for the new uh, Raiders Stadium, uh, as you well know. That's yeah. your that's your civic duty. Uh, so if you don't, there are. I stayed at an Airbnb during the World Series that uh, the World Series main event that was minutes away from the Rio. And I think it was $24 a night. So if you think about that, what uh, the entire month would be, what, $600? Uh, after seven, or something? 720 something like that. 720 yeah. yeah, excuse me. Yeah, I, I was thinking of three weeks, what he said, for some reason. But uh, he, he's, it, I was thinking he said three to four weeks, or did he say a month? Yeah, what th- it, three to four weeks, yeah. So I was, for some reason, I was lowballing it with the three weeks. But yeah, thank you for the correction. But yeah, okay, so $720 for the entire month. This is, so you start with your 5K, you're down to 4.25K to start, but you have your housing, which is pretty much everything uh, there. And you'll have a little, now this is just going to be a room. You got to realize you're uh if you're coming to the city with 5K for a month, you're uh, you're slumming it. You're you're not going to be balling out at the Palazzo or anything, right? So you come in, you get you get a clean bed, you get a you get a safe room. Uh, the United States, I don't know where you're from, but the United States is traditionally pretty safe. You you can look up. Uh, <laughs> you. <laughs> sorry, I just remember. I gave Carlos the wrong address when he was going to stay at my Airbnb. Yeah. And uh, he actually went to the hood. I saw that night. on Twitter, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he called me on the phone. He was like, you must have got this place for eight bucks. What in the world, Alex? And I went, wait, wait, hold up. Where are you? No, no. But, yeah, anyway, essentially, I found a really cheap place in Chinatown. Chinatown's, like, really... You can look it up, and you can look up the... There are seedier parts of Vegas, but there's also parts that... They just don't look as nice. They're kind of... I don't know what you put call it. It's the parts of America that are very strip mall orientated and not, not really... 
there, there's the really flashy parts of Vegas, and then a few blocks away is the very industrial part. Yeah, I got a place in the industrial part. It was right next to the Rio. It was twenty four bucks a night. The air conditioning worked. It was a very spacious room. Was that a room? Uh, sorry, to interrupt you. Was that a room in a house, or was it just like in a, a one bedroom apartment that you? Had? It was a it was a room in a house. If oh, you want to get your own place, it's going to be a lot. Well, the funny thing was, I was the only guy there most of the time. So, right. uh, I just I had the run of the place, and uh, uh, it. It, it was cool, and uh, that'll solve your housing. Second thing is, okay, you're looking to play poker. Uh, you're looking to make money, and like I, I know this isn't what you want to hear, but a month in live poker is not going to be a ton. Or it, did he say if he wanted to play cash or tournaments? Just he um, wanted to come back it to didn't, more. It didn't say, just uh, advice on games to play and stuff. Well, uh, if you let, want... let me chat just for uh, anonymous. No, any advice for best games, places to stay, uh, food, hotels, how I can achieve my goals? Well, I, a lot of this advice is not stuff you want to hear, but you've got to remember, I've been in Vegas for 10 years, and uh, I, in and out of Vegas, and I can tell you what I do work, works. It's what I have my students do. Every time I do this, when I go there, I'm way happier. Uh, big things before I forget them. Try to keep your drinking to a minimum there. Uh, it dehydrates you, and dehydration in the desert will make you do some really silly things. Pot is now legal in Las Vegas. I really recommend you don't do it if you're gonna if you're gonna be playing poker because po- poker is pretty. It's a lot of repetition, right? But there's quite a few details within that repetition, and if you're just smoking pot before you play, or even if it's in your system for a week or two, it, it, it will have an effect on you. So it, be careful on that front. Uh, Airbnb to keep it cheap. If you're playing, uh, if, if you're trying to make money, I'd really recommend you play cash and just some. Uh, I, I'd really recommend you play cash in just some small casino nobody would think of. Like, I don't know if the Orleans has poker but i'd really if they do that would be where i am somewhere off the strip a little bit because then it's going to be more locals uh there's uh, there's a lot of for transportation there's a lot of shuttles between the casinos a lot of these casinos are owned by the same people so i think so to give you an example to get to let's say the orleans has a good game uh, I, I don't even know if the Orleans spreads hold them. I, I don't I, I, I don't play one three when I'm out there, right? And uh, but if if I were trying to make money, if I were trying to make my way in Vegas again, hey Barry, I just heard a car honk. Uh, yeah, <laughs> where so, are so. you? <laughs> I'm, I'm at home. My window's open though. Okay, Barry's trying to catch the shuttle. Anyway, <laughs> now so like an example would be I think there's a shuttle between the Rio and Harrow's. So yeah. I would get on that, and then you walk over to the Gold Coast, and then from the Gold Coast there's a shuttle to the Orleans, and there you, you literally you tip the driver one or two dollars, and you're there, and you just saved yourself a fifteen dollar Uber or whatever it is. As far as what to eat, I'm a, I'm getting, I, I'm a little embarrassed to say this, but. I've really been doing the vegan thing lately, and it really helps. It really, as far as stress and stuff, uh, I I think it's one of those... I don't think uh, meat is something you should cut out of your life completely. I I, I certainly am going to eat meat, but uh, I've noticed it, it takes a little while for my body to process that in dairy. So when it's processing, I kind of get into dour moods. And if I want to be in a good mood most of the day i just cook that's the other thing with the airbnb you can cook in the kitchen so i'd recommend just if you want to keep a good attitude i just eat salads all day and you don't have to it don't cake on the cheese with it but you can put on you, you can put nuts and uh stuff like that and that kind of stuff like that just that rush of antioxidants i think tricks your mind into going hey i feel good right now and that's really good 
before you go play poker. And uh, if you get a little hungry, just a peanut butter sandwich here and again, that will get your cost down to... By the way, I'm pretending this is me if I were coming to Vegas again with my knowledge base. Uh, this is what I would do. Just before I go to the poker room, I'd have my backpack and I would put in a, one of those mini... Uh, I, I would I would put in one of those mini lunch boxes that doubles as a, a a container to keep the temperature controlled. I would uh I I would just put a few peanut butter sandwiches or a peanut butter and banana sandwich and uh, whole grain bread. Whole grain bread is different different than multi grain. Uh, there's a difference, but whole grain bread uh, get the get the get the peanut butter that doesn't have a ton of sugar in it. And then uh, just bananas and stuff like that. And that's like if I get really hungry. And I would just go out and get a ton of... Uh, I, I would go ahead and get a ton of... Uh, what, what, why can't I come up with this word? What, what is going on with me? Oh, what, bottled water. Okay, there you go. You want to get... It, greatest thing about the United States, I have six... I think, how many bottled waters did I get? I got eight things of, I got eight 24 packs of bottled water here in Bullhead City for 20 bucks. And uh, you just, you put those in the refrigerator. This will get you a good Airbnb rating. You just put a little thing on there that says, hey, these are for everyone. Nobody's going to drink enough of the water to make it cost, uh, not cost effective. Uh and then every, it just grab a bunch of those before you go into the casino because it actually adds up at the end of the day, just getting those tiny little waters and tipping $1 every time you do it. it it'll add up. It sounds really stupid, but like 10 bucks at the end of the day is not nothing. You, you do 10 bucks times the 30 days you're there, there's $300 out yeah, the window. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, all, and you could get the same amount of water for 20 bucks. Right, actually, dump like probably ten times the amount of water. Uh, as far as uh, caffeine, uh, I would just there's there's places that have free coffee that self serve, like the Venetian. If you find a place like that, God bless you. That's a good that's a good one. You can also just make your coffee at home or make green tea at home and put it in a thermos and take it there. And then yeah. Get ready to grind your ass off in one three, and I mean you—you you don't get to listen to your headphones or anything. You gotta show up every day, and I would—I'd uh, put Evernote on your—I I would put Evernote on your cell phone, and then every time you see a hand play out, I would note down who opened from where. Uh, if the guy had top pair, what was his betting pattern? Did he did he bet uh, all three streets? Did he pot control on one street? Uh, really look at. Uh, I'm not really big on verbal. Te- I'm not really big on tells, but uh, there's look at what people can't control, right? If facial tics or their hands or something, but but whatever. Uh, just try to see the guy's disposition when he's bluffing as to when he's uh as to when he has a hand that'll that'll and don't don't make that the be all end all of your hand just add, add that as another piece to the puzzle uh try to take something i try to do uh to make myself focus is i reward myself for each read so let's say let, let's say every read i do in my little Evernote file is good for 50 cents, right? And then I just try to get a read every hand. But if I make gratuitous mistakes, I have to subtract $5 or something from this fund. And then what I do is at the end of the day, maybe I have, or maybe at the end of uh, two sessions, I got 20 bucks or whatever in my little fund. I find a little escape in Vegas. I go, I go to the bookstore and I spend my 20 bucks on books or I, I go to a baseball game, and uh, you got to find little escapes in Vegas. You do have to take time off. That's really important. The great thing, though, is Vegas has a lot of very calm little escapes if you look for them. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I just gave you the, the couple that I like. But there, there's things like, uh, 
the Bellagio has a fine art gallery that's open to the public. The Flamingo has a nature reserve that's open to the public. I, I used to just retreat to those places when I was up in my head about the game. And I really think that's helped me a lot over the years, especially I was very happy with my main event performance this year. And the night before, I just I, I went to a bookstore and I just hung out at a bookstore uh, until closing. And uh, that that really helped me calm down. Uh, also, where where you can also. Yeah, they, those are I. Those are the suggestions I would give you. If I could do this again, if I was coming into the city again. And uh, just know a month is not a whole lot of time, but uh, just grind it out. Lowest stakes. Uh, don't move up. Don't, don't, uh, don't do it unless... Yeah. I, I don't even want to say this because then you're going to look for this. But unless the biggest fish at 1-2 decides to go play 2-5, go ahead. But I, I find when I say that nine times out of ten, the guy just... Oh, this guy doesn't call three bets effectively. I'm in two, I'm in twenty five fifty, and that's that's not what I said, right? But yeah, anyway, uh, uh, good luck to you. Hope it hope it works out. Get, keep us posted, by the way. It makes me want to go to Vegas, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but throw in a couple of buffets and stuff as well. It's like yeah, you know. yeah. You got, there's something to be said. Or not doing it just the total professional route, but yeah, it's yeah. uh, yeah, it's fun. It's fun. I like, I love Vegas. A lot of people don't like Vegas. I didn't like Vegas for a long time. Now I see Vegas for what it is. I love Vegas. It's yeah. a, it's a nice city. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, that's all the time we have this week, Alex. Thanks again for joining us. Um, you do, you touched on it earlier, but you did send me a link. I think it was last week to a YouTube little fun little YouTube video about uh little strategy thing with a hand and what should you do is it a jam i think it was called and yeah. maybe, maybe you want to touch on that and tell people how you how they can get in touch with you for coaching lessons and all your other good stuff if you guys want to get free videos and articles and podcasts and all that good stuff sent to you every week go to poker head rush right now the site is dreadful but i swear my newsletter is not enter your enter your email address in the newsletter thingy to the right and you'll just be signed up and if you want to write me about uh if you want to write me about lessons write me at alex at pokerheadrush.com we have a deal to the end of the week uh you get six lessons for 750 dollars uh that's i think that's the lowest price we've done and uh, it's actually seven because the initial meeting I never charge for because there's 20, 30 minutes of me just, okay, what do you play? What do you like playing? What's your strengths? What's your weaknesses? And I've never really felt good about charging for that. And uh, also, if you want to get in touch with me, any questions or anything, just write me at alex at pokeredrush.com. Uh, if you want to see that flyer, uh, let me know. I can send it to you. You get with the seven or the seven hundred fifty dollar package is actually a really good deal. You get a free copy of the Myth of Poker Talent. You get a free copy of Flopzilla. You get entry into my private chat room where there's hand histories every. It, it, there's quizzes. There's three to five quizzes a week. There's group lessons. Uh, there's a lot of things going on. And uh, th there's a lot of hand history discussions. You also get to talk to me every day. And uh, if you have a hand, you can write me there, and we could turn it into one of the hand quizzes. And uh, you also you get my personal cell. So let's say you get to a final table in Vegas, and uh, you have a guy to your left, and you don't really know what to do with him. You can call me up and... Uh, uh, you can call me up, and then I'm going to. You can describe the player to me, and I can give you a five-minute rundown of okay, try try to do this, this, and this. Okay, good luck to you. And uh, also, as far as uh, benefits of that, there's ah, there was one other thing that I forgot. No, I think that was everything. Yeah, free book, free Flopzilla, entry into the chat rooms, free quizzes, free group lessons, and then uh, personal access to me. And uh, 
be sure, if you guys want to support this podcast, my newest videos are the most cutting edge, Master the Flop. I'm going to make uh, Barry post the flyer and the link in the, ch- in, uh, not in the chat, in, uh, in the liner notes here. And uh, yeah, to follow my YouTube channel at uh, Assassinato Coaching, and we have free videos coming out there. And I got videos coming out on Tournament Poker Edge, so look out, <laughs> look out for that. And uh, yeah, I think I think that's it, Barry. Good, good. Sounds like you covered it. Keep your questions coming in for Alex on future show questions at oneouter.com on email, and we will get around to them on a future episode. Alex, thanks again. I enjoyed that show, and it, oh, it's, it's really put me in the mood of Vegas. But maybe next year. Um, maybe <laughs> next year. We'll get out there. Okay, uh, thanks for listening, everyone, and we will see you all next week. Cheers. Cheers. The OSS Cubed gets underway on Sunday, August 13th, and it's bringing to the table a whopping $6.7 million in guarantees over four weeks. It all starts with Moss beginning August 13th, with prize pools hitting the $250,000 guaranteed mark. Then, on August 23rd, our full-sized online super series drops, with guarantees as high as $1 million. Then stack your chips in the bigger online super series beginning September 6th. It all adds up to $141 online poker events with something for everyone. It's waiting for you at America's Card Room.